Thanks for joining us for this episode, and please take a moment to subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this content with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Clear Springs Baptist Church. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Let's try that again. What's our theme for 2021? That's a little better. I'll show you some mercy and we'll, we'll try this again later on. Uh, but completely dependent in Him, which is God, in everything. All right? And so, um, been thinking about this theme and thinking about the month of February. And what you've seen behind me is probably a phrase you've heard before. But we find that it is it runs in the family. Anybody heard that? It runs in the family. So I hope to grab your attention. We're going to be starting a series starting today with this thought, sort of a play on uh, phrases that, that we're accustomed to. It runs in the family. So we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a minute, but we want to, we want to pray and then read. All right? Just a little different order, but... Uh, let's pray and ask God's blessings on what we're about to read and what we're about to unpack, all right? Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this time. As before we approach your word, Lord, I just I, I ask you to lead us, um, allow every detail of these verses that would be applicable to us, that you want us to see that our hearts and minds, our children, our homes, that they need to grab a hold of. Uh, Father, I pray that we've not come here uh, to hear, with a desire to hear something that we want to hear, but that we have come to receive any and all that God would have us to hear. There's some things in this particular chapter that we're probably very familiar with. Lord, there are things here that we need to be reminded of today. Every family, every relationship needs to hear these truths today, and especially me. So, Father, guide us. I pray we become humble and pliable, willing, as you speak to our hearts and move us to decision-making today. If there be a child of God that needs to move in a decision, I pray they would move. I pray they would. There's repentance in their life. There's a rededication. There's a resurrender. I pray they know that this is the only life they have to serve you. If there be someone here that's not saved, they can't remember a time where they have repented of unbelief and trusted completely upon the work of Christ on the cross. If they've never had that moment in their history and you are leading, drawing their heart to you today, I would pray that they would know that today is the day for salvation. And I pray they would trust you before it's too late. Guide us. Surrender my heart and mind and voice to you. Pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, let's start in verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you. Them in the land, whether ye go to possess it. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I commanded thee, thou and thy son and thy son's sons in the days of thy life, and that the days may be prolonged. 
Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. We're going to pause there. We're going to look at this whole chapter, but I want to pause there for just a moment. So we've already said this morning, you've probably heard this phrase, it runs in the family, right? We've heard that. We've said it before. Sometimes you may... Uh, you may say, man, they, they look like their daddy, or they look like their mama. They've got their nose, or their mouth, or their ears, or whatever. You know, some things pass down a little bit. Now, there are some things also you may speak of their attitude, and that could be good or bad. Sometimes it could be the good, bad, and the ugly that runs in the family, correct? Man, their daddy, I remember how they used to be, their attitude, and their son's going to be just like him. You may have had... Man, boy, she's got her mama's attitude. She'd just snap in a hurry. You know, I mean, you, you, you said that you maybe thought those things, you, things you've seen. Man, they're just like them, passed down, all right? Um, the thought today is this, what I want to draw your mind to. We, get, we, we, we laugh, and sometimes we get a little cautious about what they say runs in your family. You may hear that. But what I want to focus on today is this thought, but on the spiritual thought a spiritual application you think about your own life as moms and dads and this is just two moms and dads if you have an influence on someone in your family could be a niece could be a nephew could be a grandchild could be but especially moms and dads what about your life your impact could people outside of you say well, they love God just like their mama loved God. Boy, it seems like they love their Bible just like their daddy did. And that runs in the family. Now, who, now who would love to hear that about your impact on your family today? See some hands. Sure. Uh, that, that's the things that needs to run in our families today. In 2021, that is exactly what we need. All right? One thing that we need to understand, especially as adults, maybe older Christians, or maybe you're an adult, but you're a younger Christian, our lives, and especially you that are parents and have children, I'm thinking even more about this because, Lord willing, I'm going to be, I am a father, but I've not held this child in my hands yet. But your lives and what you do, what you do or even the lack thereof, is molding hearts, molding a life, molding the next generation. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's, let's, let's get that out, all right? God-centered families. I, that, that would be, 
that would be a wonderful thing for, for someone to say about me, raising this soon-coming child, that that child, as that, has, that child, Lord willing, gives them a child, and on and on and on, that they can say, you know, I see their dad, their grandpa, their great-grandpa, man, their roots in God and in Christ runs deep in all of their children's lives. That's what I want God to say about on my family and my children. You see, here we have the children of Israel. God says, you know, this land that I want to give you is a land, a land of blessing, right? Milk and honey. I mean, it is a wonderful place. God's will for them to be. That's where he wants them to be. It's a place where they're going to raise their families. a place where they're going to grow. Um, now, God knew that if they do not allow his commandments and his statutes, if those things do not undergird their families, the promised land will only be a land of paganism. It won't be anything different. Because we're going to speak about this in just a moment. This land that he is leading them to, he wants this land to be filled with a people that God runs deep into their families. Right? Moms and dads and children and grandparents and aunts and uncles, cousins, etc. What we're going to see in this message, in this, this passage, is two pivotal principles. Love and obedience. You'll never have one genuinely without the other. Uh, obedience must come with a love, a, the right kind of love, which we'll break that down in a moment. A love for God. Alright? You see, in today's time, we have a, what we use, this, this word pandemic is used a lot. This COVID, coronavirus, so it's a word that we're very familiar with. Now, I really think there is a, a, a pandemic in the homes today. And it's not, it's not, a, it's not a physical illness. It has nothing to do with your immune system. But it has everything to do with your spiritual life. All right? Some parents will, will say this, and, and, I don't, and I may even say and be guilty of it one day, but they'll say, you know, we're just doing the best that I can to raise my child. Now, there's something wrong with that phrase. Let me just say this. What you're now is you're hinging your ability to be a father and mother based on your ability. All right? Now, we, we say that without any harm, but let's think about that phrase for just a second. I'm doing the best I can. And we hinge ourselves upon our frailness because, see, myself, my power at best is broken and undependable. For me to hinge my fatherhood upon my best means that I will fail my children every day. But if I hinge what I can do as a father on God's best, I can be successful for my family. That the things that run in my family are the things that are the best for my family. Are you with me? So you think about the phrases we use harmlessly, I know. But when you think about them, sometimes there's some bad phrases. And so we see that a lot of times. What I think we need to do is ask a better question. All right? Now let me ask you this first, and I'll tell you the question you need to be asking yourself. If you truly today believe that God is your everything, if he is your all in all, if you are completely dependent on him for everything and in everything, that he is your only way to heaven, everybody get, get some hands. You honestly believe that God is your everything, all in all, it's your only way to heaven. I mean, he, God is everything. Then here's the question that we need to be asking ourselves. 
What way can I pass these things? And he gave them the Ten Commandments. He gave them his commandments, his statutes. And that's what God's talking about. These things need to be rooted in your, in your family, in your heart. So what way can I pass these things faithfully, now listen, and biblically, my children and family? What way, what is, what, what, what is the way that I can do that? Not just faithfully, but biblically. Now, you can apply something the wrong way, and it fizzle out, right? But God's going to give us a foundation to apply these things, you know, that will last, that will be beneficial, that we'll find that actually be rooted in our, the hearts of our children, our, our grandchildren, and etc. all right? What way can I pass the things of God down faithfully and biblically to where they stick and they last and go on for generations. What, what, what do I need to do? Now God tells them exactly what they need to do as they go into the promised land with the commandments of God. How can they do this? Now first of all, alright? First of all, number one, I want you to see this. There's, there's two realities that we understand before we really unpack these verses. And I'll be brief. Number one, the place for your family. The place for your family. Now, God is telling them here, all right, I've given you here these commandments, these statutes, these judgments, all right, in verse 1, which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you may do them in the what? Look at verse 1, look at your Bibles. In the land whether ye go to possess, there was a place of God's perfect will for them to be, to live, be His people, be godly parents, godly families, to be a beacon of light to the world. Right? God is, you know, you think about this for a moment. Well, I want you to see the reality of the people. The reality of the people. All right? The place for your family. Now, the people here, what you're going to find is remember, you know, it's, it's been a little while, but they've exited Egypt. They're, you know, we see the land that he's bringing them to here. Right? Now, families are made up, uh, you know, as you know, husbands and wives, right? Husbands and wives. At least start a family. What you'll find is the husband will come from family that they have their traditions, they have, you know, their, his parents have been, you know, uh, his authority over their life. They do things a certain way. The wife comes, she comes from a family and, there's certain authority that she's been acquainted with over her life and things that she has seen her family do. And the two people coming together to make a family that have two sets of authorities over themselves, could you possibly a clash when both of those come together with two different sets of authorities? And how does, how does this work out? How does, how does this become one family for God in the place God would have them to be? How, how does that work right? You know, I, I don't know if you ever made this bad, bad statement. Well, that's not how my mom made it. Anybody? Anybody get that close to the grave? I did one time. One time. God, God forgave me a long time ago. You need to forgive me too, all right? I think my wife forgave me. I think she did. Uh, I hope so too, Todd. Uh, but anyway, we, 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 we have those because we're, sometimes we get still attached and 
God has the, the, the desire for a family to be with one authority over their life. It's not to say that the, the, the other families poured into their life were bad. Now these two people have come together to be a family. There's these families that's coming in their promised land. And God's getting ready to introduce them to, hey, that's going to be over your life. People will treat, you know, maybe still pour into your life and try to help. That's great and all. But listen, there's one voice that must lead your family in this land where I've placed you. All right? So you got to understand families, when they come together, they come from different authorities, different backgrounds, different cultures, different things. Now they come to be one. How does that work well? Where God has placed your family. You're in Rosa County. You have a fiscal address. What authorities over your marriage, your home? All right? So there is, there's the dilemma. How do you answer that? And we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. All right? Now, letter B, we see the reality of the land. They go to a promised land, right? Now, the promised land is not a land where God's sinner. It's a, it's a place where there's a bunch of pagans. There's idolatry there. You go on to chapter 7, you'll find that he said the Hivites and the, the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites, these are pagan people, and he says, I want you to drive them out. All right? So here's what I want you to understand. Just a quick point. Where God has led you to raise your family, there needs to be one authority for your family. But understand that in that land, that place, that street, that community where God has uh, led you to raise your family, yes, there's some godly people going to be around you, but there's going to be too. There's going to be people that will maybe try to lead you into worshiping something instead of the someone that your family should be worshiping. There's going to be people and things around you that's going to influence you to not go to church like you should, not read your Bible the way you should, or lead you to say words you shouldn't say around your family, or develop an attitude that you shouldn't have. There's some pagan people in this land, right? God says, I want you to eradicate the land of these influences, right? So understand where God has you today. There is a reality you need to be living with, simply this. There are people, they may be nice people, but the thing their life is centered on should not be what your life is. I mean, you treat anything like that, but you allow only one authority over you and your family. Understand, there is some idolatry around you. All the time. All right? God hates idolatry just like he did. Remember the commandments that he gave him? That's their gods before me. I mean, how these into my, my heart as a leader of my home, but also in the hearts of my children. Where God has you will be God's blessings and the world's evil. That's what will be there. Depending on how you follow God, it's depending on what's going, what's going to influence you. All right? Now, Number two. So just some quick thoughts that I want you to see. We need an authority over our life. We need God's commandments in our homes. We need the statutes of God. We need to have God's center. And as we are adventuring to do that, there's, there's a place in our life where you live where there's going to be distractions, and in this sense, pagans for the children of Israel. How do we, how do we live for God as families? All right? How do we keep the bad things out of running in our family and the godly things in 
running in our family. Are you with me? All right, so number two, let's notice this. Verses four through six, we see the heart for your family. The heart for your family. Okay? Now, notice this here in verse four. Hear, O Israel. Let's say verse four together. Ready? Begin. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. One Lord. The Lord, that is, the, the, the Yahweh, thy Elohim, all right? You look at verse 4. The, the Yahweh, our Elohim, is one Yahweh. That's what those words are. Now, why do you say that? Your Lord... The Lord our God. And God is Elohim and can also, we find that word, be in the plural. Now why do I bring that up? We understand God, the God of heaven, is a triune God. But He is one God. He is one Elohim. Alright? But they are going into a land where they worship Elohim many. In other, in other words, simply... Uh, they have a God for everything. We have a God who is everything. Right? That is the difference of, 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 of pagan or idolaters and those that belong through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your God is one God for everything. Outside of God, every, they have a God for everything. That is an extreme difference. What I want us to see, what he wanted them to understand. Listen. You're going to be tempted sometimes to chase things. Anything, I mean anything, that is above God is for God. You're living that way. You may be a child of God and you belong to the Lord. and You know, you remember that time you've repented and trusted Christ alone as Savior? Born again, we believe that. But you're living your life as if you serve many gods. We'll talk about that in a moment as well. But anything that is above God that you place above God, that is your idol. That idol can be a thing, but it also can have blood running through its veins too. Right? One Lord. One God. What God is wanting them to understand, that you need to live in this virtual reality, that there is one authority over your home. God, has, God wanted this promised land to be authority over that that God wants Russell County to have a bunch of homes uh, that truly has one one Lord one Lord one God our family must be organized under God's authority let me use the system as an example for just does the does everything revolve around the earth now, what would happen if that was the case? Everything would die, right? If the world became the center of the universe or the solar system, it would all be messed up. Grow right, wouldn't have enough sun, wouldn't have enough rain, wouldn't have, I mean, it would be, but if our soul revolves, our life revolves around the wrong things, see what I'm, where I'm going with this? We think, well, everything should revolve around me. Sometimes your idol is you. Right? I want everything just to revolve around me. See, our solar system doesn't do that. The earth revolves around me. Right? And you in. 
And in that, we see this life, things grow, things thrive in creation. God knew exactly what the earth needed and what it needed to orbit to live and provide life. There's evidence of life on the earth. Why? Because what it's orbiting. And this morning, if your life, your home, your marriage does not orbit, orbit the S-O-N, there will not be evidence of life in your life. To us through all that he's created we would be foolish to not pay attention to those details that our lives must live with God's authority that we must we are the one thing around God all right God doesn't orbit around us we orbit around him okay and so we must understand the heart we see the heart with no rival sort of left that out but that's what I'm talking about the heart with no rival. Alright? Question. Do you find yourself in your home things rivaling God's Rivaling. Yeah, for instance, you know, people are, you know, Russell County is, you know, I guess a, a, a county where they like sports, hometown, you know, basketball team and, and uh, 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 baseball, football, etc. And you're right the vision team the rival to come and wipe the floor with you right come to beat you to you and see there's things in your life that's going to come on your home to overcome you and, and, and rival your home to rise above everything that you uh, they want to rise above and let that be your life. So, uh, folks, I'm just telling you this morning, as he was telling he's like, he's one Lord, one God. Your authority over your home. The heart for your family is a heart with no rival. Letter B, we see a heart of gospel love. A heart of gospel love. So there's no rival, all right? But here we find the very means of which that we flesh this out in our life. It is called the love of God. See, God's love, love is a motivator. Motivator. It's like putting gas on a flame. I mean, it blows that flame up, right? I don't even go and try to see if I'm speaking truth and light a fire and throw gas on it. Just take my word for it, right? Get up on YouTube. That's a safer way to find that. Mistakes and figuring that out for themselves but we understand our heart must be saturated in a gospel love so notice what he says he said we are to love the god uh the lord with our heart with all our soul with all thy might okay now let me just sum that up i could try to spend a lot of time three words but i'm not going to what god is simply saying show is this that your love for god must all in all, with all of your all of your mind, with all of your strength, but all that you are. Every ounce that God person is every ounce that should be given back to God. Everything belongs to Him, but sometimes we live our life and raise our family as if some of that belongs to me. It does not belong to you. It belongs to God. All good things come from where? 
from God. That's where they should return. See, the right definition, this comes from the uh, family-driven faith. I really like, I think this is a, a very clear definition of this gospel love or God's love. love. Love is an act of the will accompanied by emotion that leads to action on behalf of its object. of the will. Now you need to get that, all right? Accompanied by emotion. We get those flop, flip-flop, don't we? It's an act of the will accompanied by emotion that leads to action on behalf of its object. All right? You see, oftentimes we think love is some kind of sentimental thing. That's all it is. That's what love is. It's like this and I'm not picking on teenage girls, but it's almost like this teenage girl kind of love poster on the wall. Oh, my God, I love him. You never expected my voice could reach that range, right? Have you ever heard, no, but I love him. You know, just sentimental, emotional, shallow love, right? It's a teenage Girl kind of love. I maybe teenage boys can do that too, I suppose. But we think love is just that's all it is. Now you really think with that kind of love you're going to keep the commandments and statutes of God in your home? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That's not gospel love. That is not God's love. All right. People will go to. People end up saying, "I love him, fiber of my being." There's the first misstep you just made. Ever fiber of my being. The only one that that deserves that kind of love is not your spouse, it's God. And when you love God with every fiber of your, your being, you love your spouse with the kind of love that he needs. Amen? You want a family where the right things run deep and continually, we gotta have the right, we must have no rival, and we must have the right kind of love. Alright? Some will say, well, I'll love them with every fiber of my being, being then shortly it says, I don't ever want to see you again. That's, that's, that's what that love does for a, for a marriage. I never want to see you again. And how do you know that's gospel love? How do you know that is gospel love? have the best demonstration. Where did the gospel come from? Congregation participation. Where the go- what is the gospel? The death and resurrection. The cross. We're talking about Calvary. We're talking about Jesus Christ. All right. When I think about the, I think about Jesus Christ. Remember that definition: love is an act of will. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus was slain. There was not an emotional thing. Pay the penalty that no pay. It was an act of the will. Right? You with me? That's what motivated. Motivated that whole was an act of. And if our love's going to be like God's, my love is a love of, 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 of will, right? Deciding, it's a volitional love, okay? That's what it is. We find that Jesus was never led by emotion, but the will of the Father, right? Was, did Jesus have emotion? Sure he did. He wept. Sometimes he got angry with and I mean, he—I mean, look at his life. He had emotion, but his emotion would come aside or behind the will 
drove him, which was his father's will, right? And we find that led him to action on behalf of its object, of his object, of what he was doing. Some people also say about love that, you know, we, Brother Josh, we just fell out of love. I love what Vody Bauckham said about this phrase, we just fell out of love. He said that, you know, that's not a biblical at all because here's what, here's the quote, anything you fall into, you can climb out of. I thought that was pretty good. Anything you fall into, you can climb out of. Loving God is not something you just fall into. Loving God and having no rival is also not chopped up in just you keeping rules. The only way that these people going to the promised land can love the Lord all that strength, strength stored in there in the gospel as Christ tells them, it, it is not something that I can fabricate. It is something that God puts in me by His Spirit. He gives me will. But at the same time, He gives me strength and will too. Love God this way and let there be no rival in my home. He gives to act for my life. Right? If I did not have a choice, there would be no sense of her judgment. So there is going to be a one day, and it's all going to be based on your relation to God's will for your life. And that is we find God's going to bring his book and he chapter six and talk about me for a little while before you know, he allows us into heaven. Remember what I told you? Remember February 7th, Owens preached that message, but you thought you had it all under control. You didn't, did you? I want to get a hold of the truth and, and be and be surrendered to God here day while I can. A heart of gospel love, the gospel kind of love that leads us forward. Some will say, you know, when it comes to marriage, you see, I think I think I this was a and I can't remember the, the the dialogue, but this come from a pastor that he was counseling with with a with a husband, and uh, I jotted some of the phrases down. And you may have heard this before, but this husband, I just I just can't I just can't love her anymore. I just can't I just can't I just can't. It's just it's just too hard. It's just it's just, it's just too much. Okay. Well, then, I says you ought to love your brother, right? And love your sister. So go home and love her as your sister in Christ. Well, brother, I don't even know if she's saved. I don't even know she's saved. You know, I just, even though she has a public testimony, if you go to church, I mean, he's their pastor. He knew what was going on. I just don't know if even she's saved. Looking for an excuse. No, no, that's fine. The Bible says to love your neighbor as yourself, so go home and love her as your neighbor. She's your closest neighbor. Well, preacher, I just, uh, it's done too late. I've done moved out. I've already, I'm, I'm not that close anymore. He said, okay, that's fine. The Bible says to love your enemies. So go and love, see, there's no way out. There, there's no way out. This, this, this is the kind of love the gospel is. It is a love that brings grace and mercy to someone that doesn't deserve either. Amen? I want the things of God to run deep in our faith. 
and those outside of us to see the testimony of the gospel in our families. It must be a love that is centered on the greatest display of love that we know, which is Calvary. Love will outrun anything. When you, when you bring obedience, being faithful to God, and you hinge it on the love of loving God with His kind of love, it will run farther than your lifetime. And that's how far it will run. All right, A heart of gospel love. This is what brings God-centered families. This is the love that needs to be passed down. Again, folks, you say, well, I'm just going to go home and I'm going to reread the Ten Commandments and I'm just going to memorize them. That won't help you. You need to know them, right? You need to know what God is sin, what is not, what, he, what, what blesses Him, what He sees as blasphemy. You need to know the God of which you believed in. But just knowing, having those things will not help you run far for God. You've got to have His love in your life. You've got to love Him like the gospel. All right? You've got to have that kind of love the way God loves us. All right? Not because we deserve it, but because He chose. It is a volitional love. May I encourage you as you go and live each day and, and you begin to slip from putting God first, would you just take your heart and mind back to Calvary? That's the best thing I, I, I can ever do for my own self. God has placed me in my family. God wants me to raise my family. That I need to keep my eye, heart on Calvary. And I won't have near the trouble, amen, of putting God first where there will be a rival in my home. But I will let him be the sole authority over my life. You may say, Brother Josh, I'm really struggling. I'm really struggling to practice in God's word. Well, let me, let me ask you this. When's the last time you've prayed, God, help me trust your word. I'm in your word. Have you prayed that? The Bible right. Ask, it shall be given. If you want. God-centered father, mother, husband, wife, grandma, aunt, uncle, then pray to be one. Amen? Be God's word and pray, God, help. That's the best place for you to be is that humble. God, help me. Right? Lastly, I want you to see this. We'll try to be brief. Lastly, laboring for your family. So he says, love the Lord thy God with all the heart, soul, mind. This is how you're going to continue to cast the idolaters out of your life and the idols out of your life. Love your spouse, love your children. Put the right thing in their life, which are the things of God. Now it's time to labor. Laboring for your family. So a couple things. Notice this. We look at verse 7. We see the duration of your labor. How long should I love God this way? How long should I teach? Do this. Well, notice what he says verse 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently, shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest, when thou risest up. He goes on to say, Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gate. Did God leave anything out? No. So what would be the expression of my of my, when I say labor, I'm talking about teaching. I'm talking about putting God's word in front of my spouse, putting God's word in front of my children. That's 
labor that brings a God-centered family. Labor where people can stand back and say, you know what? I know why that runs deep in their It goes back to how much their daddy led their family in God. We see here this duration everywhere and in all times. That's what, that's what he's saying here. Everywhere you go. When you leave your house, there needs to be my word. When you come back home, there needs to be your word. Or uh, my word. When we were, we were on a plane flying to Israel, that has been forever ago, it seems like. Now, the Jews took serious about putting it between your eyes and putting, putting it on, on, on your hand. When we were flying to Israel, I don't know if Matthew and Sherry, you saw this or not, but probably if you fly to Israel, you're going to witness this on the airplane. They would box with some of this scripture that we've actually read here. It'll be in that box, and they will stand up. They don't care who sees them. They're not ashamed. They're not embarrassed. They stand up. They've got this box between their eyes. It's center of their mind. God's scripture here. And they'll take a, 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 a leather black strap, and they will wrap it around their right hand. The right hand speaks of authority. So they're allowing, which that man represents the word of God. They will begin to wrap their right hand. And they'll begin to pray to God. In the center of their mind and on the authority of their life, that's where God belongs. And that spoke volumes to me. They saw him. I think there's a lot of secret service Christians today when actually they need to be front linemen, point men, where people can see them. Amen? That's what they need to be. Can I, and let me ask you this question. Children, reading your Bible at home. Now I understand, I, I get this, we all need our private time in God's Word, we need our private time in prayer, but let me ask you something, does your son ever see you reading out just in the living room or at the coffee table, do they see you reading, do they see you praying? Better yet, do you read with them or do you pray with them? And they're never too young to see or hear your voice, right? Never. You see, some things can be taught, but some things are better caught. Did you catch that? Walking through it, not just you saying it, all right? The duration, of, that's laboring for your family. You may not see that. You think laboring is going. And, and, and bringing, you know, being the meat provider, being the soul provider. But we need to provide for the soul as well. The soul provider of their physical life. And I, I applaud you. I says, if you don't work, you should, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. I get that. I applaud you for that. But what about feeding the soul of your child and your wife and your home? He's like, I want you to spend time, give this to your son and your son's sons and your sons. And he goes, on and begins to talk about a little, a little bit more, and, and he goes on, he says, uh, trying to find the verse, in verse 12, beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Folks, the less you have one of you in your life, the more likely you're going to forget about it, right? He says, if you don't love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and doing that through the power. In the, in the spirit that I've placed in you and you're not spending time passing these words down to your children and your families and having it being seen when you leave home and come home here's what's going to you're going to forget me and what I have done and what I can still do let me ask you a question 
Have you ever sort of recalled, do you remember what God did for mom, mom and dad years ago? Remember that? But God came through, or they didn't, and God did, or mom or dad was sick, and God brought them this far, but we could have them that much longer. And wouldn't it be a shame that you never told your children about why those things happened? It was God. Amen? It was God. Laboring for your children. Now, here's, one, here's a bad thing. I'm trying to hurry, but I want you to get this. Here's a bad way to use your blessings. Some people, the very reason they don't be faithful to church is simply because they said, you know what? I just can't get my kid up. Or my, my child's got a sleep schedule. That may, be, that, that may hit too hard. I don't know. Did you, did you approve that sleep schedule with God first? That pattern? Any pattern that you have takes you further away from God is not a pattern that God will approve of. Let me ask you a question as a preacher. Guess what sleep schedule my child's going to be on? No kind of sleep schedule that gets in the way of me being here. Amen? I think I'd be looking for another church to pastor if I did, I did anything differently, right? And, and rightfully so, send me packing if I can't love God more than my child or more than my sleep. Anything you put before God is your idol. Like I said, an idol can be a thing, an idol can be blood running through its veins too. A child is a gift. As long as and I have prayed for that child, I that child before God. See, God gives good things, but He can sure take things away too. Wouldn't it be a bad day to get to glory and God have a word with you? Do you know why your child died earlier than I wanted your child to leave this world? Because you quit on me because of what I gave you. God gives us things that we may be more alive for Him, that we may see His goodness, not see an excuse to leave His goodness. I say this with all love and compassion. I say this to get it in my heart just as much as I wanted to get it in your heart because, folks, I'm getting ready to have to be a dad, and I cannot, no matter what, no matter if I'm just wore out and tired, it doesn't matter. I have to go back and think about how tired my Savior was as he went to Calvary and, and the pain and the agony all that he went through. Folks, I'll never go through what Christ did. So, folks, I'm to quit I'll leave there. I'll let that soak for just a little while. Because here's the product. And I'm being brief right here. It's last thing and we will have a song. Why do we labor? Why do we do the things we do? Because we want to see a product. Something at the end of it all. We want to see a result. Right? Have you ever said to your child, boy, everything he knows. Any of you dads ever do that? Whether you taught him or not, you're going to claim it, right? I taught him that. He got that from me. Maybe you said, that's my girl. Daddy's girl, you know. Great thing to be able to say that in a spiritual context. Senior, senior child reading or praying on their own, you can step back and say, that's my boy. You know where they got that? Got that from me. 
because I cared, because I taught them and I led them that God comes first. If you want another generation to be close to God, your generation's got to get close first. Amen? That's the only way. Christianity is only always one generation of distinction. Always one generation away. God says, here's the only way that I will be the center is that you to love me the way my spirit empowers you and leads you to love me, allow me to be number one and to give what I've given you, all that I've showed myself, you've don't let you Don't let your voice be to your children. Let them know who I am. As much as you needed God in your life, they're going to need God in their life. Don't be silent. Don't be silent. So ask yourself, Miss Arb, so quietly, just as quietly as you can, to stand to our feet. I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. A question. Ever so quietly, God's still speaking to our hearts. God's still moving. Based on your decisions in relation to God's commandments, all right? Think about your past life. Would your children come to you and say, or maybe even your grandchildren or your nieces or nephews, because of your heart for God and they see it, have they ever come to you and said, why does our family always put God first? Or, Daddy, why do we always attend church and worship faithfully? Mama, why do, you, why do I see you reading your Bible every day? Mom, Dad, or have you ever heard those questions? Questions come from children because they're curious about what they see or don't see. Mom, Dad, why is everybody else at church and... We're not. See, their parents love each other. Questions either asked or not asked. And as God has spoken to you, our hearts need to move closer to Him. There may, there may need to be repentance. There may need to, this may need to be filled with moms and dads and grandmas, families. And God, we desperately need your help. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this. So much more could be said. But Lord, I know you, this is the time to be silent. Let you continue your work. God, we need families that love you more than anything or anyone. And if there are idols in the homes that are sitting in these pews today, their idol could be their couch, their idol could be their child, their idol could be their job, their idol could even be their own rest. If they have anything placed above you, I pray that there would be strong conviction come upon their heart, that they would respond with humility 
and asking you to help them love you with all that you have made them to be. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.